You're listening to Inspiring Honey Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and this podcast is designed to inspire, motivate, and empower and shine the light of the Lord into your everyday life. Hello and welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show today. I am super excited to have a guest today and that special guest is Jordan Lee. Jordan Lee is absolutely amazing and she is a kingdom builder, a traveler, a speaker, a writer, a wife, a friend, and the founder of Soul Scripts. She's written books. She has a blog. She has a whole community of girls online that she's building up. She travels to speak all over and she's absolutely amazing. I am so inspired by her and I absolutely know that you guys will be so inspired by her today as well. So I'm just super excited and honored to have her on the podcast. Hi Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here today. Everything you're doing is so amazing. Oh my goodness, you're too kind. (laughs) (laughs) So my first question for you today is where did the idea for Soul Scripts come from? Oh my goodness. So the funny story is Soul Scripts started as something completely different than a blog. Soul Scripts originally meant um, hand lettering, like actual scripting. Um, And so it was how I would remember Bible verses. And I had just gotten the first journaling Bible. It was like before journaling Bibles were popular. And um, just kind of started, that was how I started to memorize scripture. It was really when I was making my faith personal and really growing. And um, that was kind of how I really started to remember you know, I'm the kind of person who, when I'm trying to remember or memorize something, it helps me to write it out. I know a lot of people are like that. So I did that. And, um, and then I just started to create these really pretty little scripts of scripture, you know. And, um, and I think it just challenged me to concentrate on the words more. And so then that kind of evolved into seeing, you know, yes, these are beautifully scripted words you know they look pretty they look like calligraphy but it's really about the message behind the words and that's why I really felt passionate about doing that and so that kind of hobby transitioned into um kind of putting those those verses and those messages on different products um and um I eventually opened an Etsy shop because my my husband now he was a guy you know my boyfriend I was dating him at the time um he suggested that it just, you know, he's like, you ought to sell some of this. This is, you know, your creative outlet. You should open an Etsy store. So I thought, okay, you know, no big deal. Not really realizing how much can go into running a full-blown Etsy shop. Um, and I started this old script social media. And, you know, if you scroll all the way to the bottom of my Instagram, you would see that there are, like, all these little calligraphy things from a couple years back. Um, anyway, so... That was kind of how it started, and then it eventually evolved a little bit, and I realized, you know, this is a lot, a lot to handle, that eventually we got engaged, and it was just too much to focus all on shipping and fulfilling and returns and everything that goes into running, you know, an Etsy store. So I felt like tap me on the shoulder and say, you know, I need you to close the Etsy shop, and I'm like oh, but this is my baby, you know, do I really have to, you know? (laughs) But the whole time as I was running this Etsy shop, I also really focused on the encouragement and the message, and I started to write without even realizing it, like writing 
not in the scripting way, but writing messages. And so um, once I closed the shop, I said, you know, focus on the blog aspect of things. And I had never even really considered blogging. I didn't really have any interest in it. and had no idea that a couple of years later it would become the trend that it is now. Um, <laughs> but just kind of went for it. It was really, like, mediocre, you know, not the greatest blogs in the world. But I just continued to refine my my craft and writing and over the course of a few months after closing the shop it was just kind of affirmation after affirmation that I was kind of focused on the right thing at that point um and yeah that's kind of how it evolved into the blog and then over time you just I got more clarity on what it was supposed to look like and what type of things to be writing and my my writing improved and grew so that's kind of the the long story short of how it started and also now what it's how it's so different but I left the name the same because I felt like it still was so applicable and so appropriate like God gave me the term um it just kind of changed meanings a little bit over time um on the surface so that's so amazing I know that your blog is so great I read it all the time and it's honestly so amazing if any of the listeners today haven't checked it out you have to go check out soul scripts blog If you would describe soul scripts in three words, what words would those be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, I think that I, you know, based off of what I've heard and what a lot of my girls will tell me that they get out of my blog, I would say the three words that most accurately describe the type of writing I try to put out there and the type of content I try to put out there, other than Jesus, I want to make sure I'm pointing people back to the Lord. Um, I would say real, raw, and relatable. Um, I really want to remember that I'm writing to an individual. So I try to relate to the girl in the middle of her mess, you know, the girl walking to class on Thursday, um, you know, the girl whose boyfriend just broke up with her. And remember that each person reading it is an individual and they don't need, you know, a, uh, a novel and they don't necessarily need, you know, any kind of cheesy advice. They just want something to relate to and to grab onto and a takeaway that, that speaks to their specific situation of their life. And so I really try to keep those scripts raw real and relatable. I love that so much. And it's apparent in all your Instagram posts and all your blogs and all your tweets that you keep everything so real. And that's one of the things that actually drew me to your account and made me fall in love with soul scripts. Well, thanks. You know, I think it's interesting now too, because when I first started writing and kind of being more active online and on social media and on the blog, I wanted to be as real as I could. And it's easy sometimes to get so wrapped up into being real that you almost tend to, like, over-embellish or you're so um, just focused on trying to prove that you're real that you almost become not real in the process. And so that's something that I challenge girls with sometimes because now it's trendy to be real online, you know, but it's almost no, like, this filtered real because how real can you really be from behind a screen? And so now I'm kind of almost trying to be real about being real, if that makes sense. <laughs> so just kind of reminding, like, hey, don't put up a front and say you're so real, you know, or you're the yeah. realist or whatever, um, because that in and of itself can become a show as well. And so that's something that as I'm, you know, working to continue to be raw and real and honest and relatable and just have these conversations via, you know, messages online to, you know, remember that this is to an individual that doesn't necessarily to prove a point because we have to remember, are we serving, you know, are we going to serve God when there's one or only when there's 1,000? And so every time I write, I try to make it about one. And that's, I think, what gives much more value to writing and to anything that we put out publicly um, because it can become so bogged down with almost this effort to prove, if that makes sense. And so that's something that I personally have wrestled with, and I think it's almost something we need to address, too, in the online sphere as well. 
No, that makes so much sense. I think that really speaks to me personally, and I'm sure all the listeners can today can relate to that and can relate to wanting to be real and wanting to just affect everyone in a positive light and really be working towards God because it doesn't matter the follower account. It matters what's in your heart. Right. It's like you have nothing to prove, you know, and we have to sometimes we have to remember that because it's already been proven. And so there's so much freedom in walking in that. And then it's kind of like, okay, I don't have to prove that I'm real because I am real. Like I am made real, you know, and so I can just let that be and I can just be me and be who I am. And that's, I think, the realest form of, of, of us and the most raw form that we can be. And that's going to allow us to be the most, most relatable, you know. That is such an amazing perspective, and that's why so many are able to relate to you, and that's so true. What you just said is we don't have to prove anything because it was already proven that we're enough by Jesus. That's just so amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. So how was it starting a new blog, and how was it watching Soul Scripts completely just take off and just relate to so many different people? Um, surreal, definitely. Um, terrifying. <laughs> um, it's weird when you sit there and, you know, you're, you're watching it kind of become whatever God's making it. And it's almost out of my hands in some ways. I can put my hands to the keyboard. I can put my hand to the microphone. I can, you know, travel or do whatever he's asked me to do. Um, but ultimately kind of sitting back and just absorbing and seeing what he's ultimately doing, the way that he is so intricately set up for this specific post, I didn't know who was going to read it. You know, I just focused on writing to one person. And through that, having it just happen to meet the girl right where she is in the middle of something going on in her life, and it was so applicable and relevant, she just happened to be on Facebook. You know, things like that. And as you see that go, the more you write. And as I just, you know, kind of, really, I've only been doing this, the blogging aspect of it, for a little over two years. And so that's not that long of a time frame to see it move and shake and grow as quickly as it has. And so um, in that regard, it's been really humbling, I think. In some ways, I'm kind of like, whoa, this train is moving faster than I can keep up with. <laughs> but each time I worry about it, God continues to provide the right resources or the right people or the right team member or someone who's able to offer you know, a little insight or a little help or just come alongside and sharpen me and challenge me. So, you know, through it, it does, it is a very humbling experience. And it's one of those things that it's so humbling that sometimes it's even challenging to stay humble. You know, that's something I want to be honest about because I think we want to look at the person who appears to be humble and say, oh, they're so humble. But at the same time, the reality is that we're all humans. And so learning how to curve the ego so that it doesn't become about you, you know, and so that um, when it does, because it will, because we're all human, right? What can we, what can we do and how can we be intentional about continuing to remember this is so much bigger than what we really could have created on our own. So that's one thing Mm -hmm. that I'm learning as this continues to grow and seeing it kind of, grow so quickly is definitely one of those things that you almost just have to keep up with. And so giving yourself freedom, that's one thing I've had to do. Say, okay, I give myself permission to take a step back, you know, to not push this to grow. And I, because I heard a quote the other day, I don't remember who, who said it, but it was so good. It said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And so that's one thing that I'm learning as this is growing so fast. I don't just want to be alone in it. And it's not about my name. It's not about, you know, raising up my, you know, my ego or any of that, it's about or my brand, it's really like, okay, if I really want this to go far and reach his kingdom, right, and build his kingdom and, and live out the mission that I have to make sure I have, and I'm intentional about bringing people alongside me. So that's one thing I'm learning as it's like 
throwing at lightning speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing because I always be- I always know and believe that God always puts people in your life for a reason. And I just love how you said that God always gives you the tools to just continue and push you forward in the direction you need because I think that's apparent in anybody's life that God's always just giving us tools to push us closer to Him. Absolutely, absolutely. So did you always want to be a writer or how did you just decide to start writing one day? You know, it's interesting, um, growing up and as a child, you know how some kids play, um, you know, make-believe. Other kids play with baby dolls. Other kids play with, you know, board games. And everyone has kind of their thing that they're naturally drawn to. Some kids love science. You know, as a five-year-old, what do you do when you're five? Because that really reveals what your natural passions are. Um, It's kind of before society tells you you need to follow this path or do this or, you know, study that or whatever. And so when I was five and six and seven years old, just kind of a kid, I would write short stories. Um, and I also played a lot of make-believe, but I always kind of had this imaginative mind and an idea mind. I speak and I talk really fast. I apologize if that's, that's what how, I'm doing right now. That's how I am. Um, I'm the same exact. <laughs> yep, yep. So with that, um, yeah, I speak really fast. I talk really fast. And I actually went through a testing of an aptitude testing is what it's called. And I guess I just learned through that. And the woman who tested me said, you know, you're full of ideas. And that's why you talk so quickly because your mind is always going. And that's just a gift you have. And it could be both a good thing and a bad thing. (laughs) Uh, But that kind of fuels and just kind of informs so much of my writing. And so I don't think I ever had this specific time where I thought, I want to be a writer. It was more like I just kind of let God use what was already kind of pointed in me as a child and what's already kind of been put in my brain because um, <laughs> I have so many ideas um, over the course of you know a couple of years and really like I said it's really about having open chance so I kind of discovered over time oh I guess I'm a writer I never went into it thinking I need to be a writer and I think that's really cool because I think sometimes we have this idea in our mind of what we're going to do and we grip so tightly to that specific thing that we lose sight of the bigger purpose mm-hmm. so you know, had I gripped so tightly to the Etsy store, and that's where I thought full scripts was going to be, and had I not let that go to let it change, I'd still be selling mugs out of a closet, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, you know, it's kind of like, I think sometimes we go into things like, I want to be a writer. And he's like, but there's so much more. Or, yes, you can be a writer, but the form in which you think you're going to do that is going to look a little different, you know, or whatever. Yeah, so, definitely. Got yes it. and no. Yes and no would be my answer to that, but, yeah. It's amazing because it's God's plans, you know, and it's great to see how his plan, his plan for your life has just like grown and blown up your social media so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of insane. <laughs> so you always have new ideas, but where do you get inspiration for your books and your blog posts and your Instagram and your Twitter? Um, several different places. And I think this is such a good question because there's definitely times where I stare at the blinking cursor on the screen and go, oh, so this is writer's block, you know. (laughs) Um, But I would say, you know, I've really kind of identified four main sources. Three really, um, because the fourth is really kind of inspiration for life in general, not just writing. Um, So the first would be conversations with peers and friends and um, people like you, you know, girls are my readers, but really mostly within my friend circles and with my peer groups. So at workout class, you know, in my workout classes, what are the women and the girls talking about that they struggle with or that they need some insight on or that they're just wrestling with or whatever that might be. And I really tune my ear into conversation. What does my best friend call me about to vent about? You know, um, what does 
my cousin need advice on? You know, what do I use? So that's kind of one thing I really turn my ear into is what are my girlfriends asking me for advice on or sharing with me about what's going on in their life and how can I relate and maybe offer some encouragement or some insight or some advice? I don't put the pressure on myself to give this black and white clean answer because I think it's dependent upon a little bit on people's situations, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one big place is conversations with other girlfriends and people in my social circles. Secondly, you know, especially now, early on, it wasn't so much because I didn't have a whole lot of readers, but as my reader base has grown, you know, questions from readers. When I get an email and or a recurring email and one of my team members says, hey, you know, maybe this would be good to address because we've had a ton of girls asking in some form or another, should I be with this guy? Should I get back together with this guy? You know, is he the one for me? You know, that kind of whole question. And so that's something that would inspire me to think, okay, how can I help offer some insight or challenge her to consider a few things? And so that's the second place I get inspiration through reader questions. Um, thirdly, personal struggles or personal problems. So um, a body image post, for example, that would be inspired by something that growing up I thought I had thunder thighs. I don't know why I thought that. I just was an athletic kid. But that was something that was a lie planted in my head early on in life. And so it manifests even in adulthood. And so um, just personal little problems like that that I think many girls can relate to or, you know, really feel like, yeah, they struggle with that too, I write on. So those are the three main resources, my own personal wrestling struggles, questions, friends, questions, you know, venting, all that they have, and then also reader questions. Fourth would be, you know, the Bible and my relationship with the Lord. But that inspires more than just writing. That inspires kind of my whole life. So that's definitely a re- that's definitely a space and a resource, but that inspires what I'm going to say and what I'm going to speak into, if that makes sense, those three areas. Yeah, that makes complete sense. It's amazing how you take all these different components of life and then look to the Bible to find the answers. It's just so great. Totally. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of more of the the inspiration for the answer, not necessarily to inspire what posts I'm going to write, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is how it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So what was it like when you first started writing devotionals and you first started, like, publishing and sharing your books? Um, it was kind of terrifying, like I said. I didn't really even know how to do it. Um, <laughs> so I started with just e-books, and you kind of just learn as you go. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to do something wrong or something imperfectly that we just don't do anything. And so that was definitely a temptation on my plate. But, you know, God said, just put it out there. And there was definitely a couple typos that we missed, you know, in editing and everything else. And it wasn't perfect, but it was human, you know. And I think that's kind of what launched everything. And so starting there kind of allowed me to go anywhere. It was kind of like, okay, that wasn't the worst thing in the world. This guy didn't fall. We just made some edits and fixed it, you know, and that (laughs) happens. And so um, that kind of gave me the courage to realize, like, even when it's not perfect or polished or complete or poised or whatever, and, you know, kind of took that pressure off myself, the fear really subsided. And so um, from there, I continued to just write um, e-book devotionals, and then we got them um, printed as physical books, and they're sold through Amazon. So just self-published my first several devotionals, and it really has been neat to see the way that God's used them and, um, you know, allowed group studies to come together and inspired ideas for new devotionals. And it's crazy, but it's so sweet to see just the way he can move through something. It's such a simple effort of, okay, I'm going to put this out there even though I don't feel like it's perfect or like I'm going to question if I should even do it because we are all tempted with that Um, but having a team of people who will edit and format and publish and help it makes such a difference to have that community 
That's so cool. And I think it's so relatable how you said uh, a little bit ago about fear and how you could have fear not to put it out there, but you just did and you just went through it and then God was able to use that. So I think that could speak to anyone who has fear just to kind of let go and let God take over. Absolutely. And let it be, let it be messy. And that's the thing I had to kind of, it's not fun when someone says, um, you didn't spell that word right. And I think, (laughs) how did we not catch that in editing? You know, we had a whole editing process. Um, but just every once in a while, I mean, human error is human error. And so saying, okay, now I look like a total ding dong, but (laughs) oh well, for the sake of Christ, you know, so (laughs) it's like not the end of the world. So (laughs) definitely not. So you just came out with your most recent devotional called beloved. Can you tell me a little bit about that and the inspiration for that devotional? Yes, actually, my most recent devotional is actually called Lonely. Oh, um, I'm Beloved so sorry. Was the second one I launched. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. They're actually very similar in some ways. Um, but Beloved, I, I launched, it was meant to just kind of cover a lot of those general, it's just those general issues we have about feeling loved, living loved, being loved, and loving. And so whether that's struggling through rejection or breakup or just problems within a, in a earthly relationship or struggling through singleness, it kind of covers all of that in one big devotional. So that was kind of how that one worked. And then I wrote the college devotional, which was geared just totally towards millennial college women, um, walking through that life right now and the specific topical issues that they might be facing um, and just pointing them to biblical truth in a real and raw and relatable way. Um, and so that was the second most recent, and then I just launched Lonely. Um, which is right now the book version and soon to be the physical version. Um, and that one is meant to speak into seasons of loneliness in spite of our relationship status. There's this weird notion that you can only be lonely if you're single. Um, but I think there are a lot of married women or a lot of girls who feel like disconnected from their relationship or lonely in their own household or, you know, they're confused why they're lonely because they have friends and a great family. Yet on the inside, there's something that feels isolated um, or something that they feel that they're misunderstood about. And so why is that and why does that exist? That's kind of what this devotional works through, challenges her to consider some different things within her relationships, but also within her own heart. So that's kind of the challenge in the, in the, the way that that devotional works. And then my husband and I now are writing a series called Navigating. So it combines the words navigate and dating um, together. So, cool. so that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be the side-by-side male and female kind of guy and girl devotional. They'll study the same page, the 30-day, um, and you'll study the same verse or the same passage every day. But I'm writing to the girl, and he's writing to the guy, and then there'll be discussion questions for them to write Um or two answer together afterwards. So it's meant to address dating because we want to make sure that we're dating in a godly way, um, but maybe we're not quite ready to get married yet. And so that's who we want to write to and write to those couples that want to honor God in their relationship but aren't in a place to get married yet. So that's what's coming. That's exciting. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's the lowdown on the devotional. That is so exciting. I think that's so amazing that you guys are doing that together because it helps both people have both perspectives. And there's not a lot of advice out there for godly dating. You know, you'll find like blog posts, but it's not really, you know, so much out there. But that's amazing that you guys are doing that. Absolutely. I felt the same way. I felt like there were so many resources for married couples and there's this blog post that maybe the girl would read and then she awkwardly sends it to the boyfriend and he's like, this is written for a girl, you know, or whatever. Um, So I wanted to make sure that, you know, Matt can speak guy language. He was a football player. So he's really just providing some insight and shedding some light on some things for the guys, making it, you know, speak their language and real and raw and simple to read. And that's kind of my same approach to the girls so that when they have a discussion, they can share what each of them learned about that passage and have a good genuine discussion about it and it not be this forced 
thing or this, you know, kind of um, obscure blog post that kind of relates but doesn't, you know. So, which yeah. um, is, I felt like a need in the, in the area where it hasn't really been, been met. And so we wanted to meet that need. That's so awesome. So what exactly is the Soul Scripts membership and how can listeners today or anyone just sign up for it and be part of it? The membership is a portal within my website, thesoulscripts.com. And we created, I wanted to give my readers and the girls that really relate to myself a place to connect because chances are if they relate to me, they relate to each other. (laughs) So uh, I wanted to create a portal which is really what we did. We put together this space and it's meant to be a place to turn, especially during transitional seasons in life. And so let's say I'm moving from Indiana to California and I don't know a single soul in Southern California. I don't know where to go to church. I don't know where to get plugged in. And I just want to see if I can connect with another, you know, find some fellowship, um, even maybe before I go. And so there's a state there's a state map where we can connect with people geographically close to us or where we're going to move to or where we'll be visiting and get some suggestions on groups to check out, restaurants to check out, maybe even meet up for coffee, um, those kind of things. So it provides that resource. There's topical accountability groups, meaning if, you know, I'm struggling with um, depression, I enter that group, that topical group, and find other girls know that have either walked through that in the past that could offer some insight or who are also struggling with that and walk alongside of me. Um, and so it's meant to kind of provide a space to get some feedback and support and ideas, encouragement and prayer um, through these seasons of life that sometimes it's hard to find really consistent community because when you're in your teens and 20s, your life is constantly changing, whether you're moving from high school to college, college to a job, job to marriage, new city, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes your your community that you have so closely in your college or in your job that changes, it kind of feels like it disintegrates even if you keep up with those people. So just having this other place to turn or get some insider advice if you don't feel like you have that in your corner of the universe, um, that's what it's really designed to do. And then there's all these different video modules where there's Bible study tutorials where I really show how to dissect the passage and get the most out of it. Um, each month one of those launch or releases for a member and there's mentoring videos where I kind of just give some insight into the blogging world for anyone who's interested in writing or using their voice or creating a ministry or doing anything like that. So each month they'll get a new video um, that kind of just gives a different, just some advice and some insight into what that process has looked like for me. So all sorts of resources, monthly devotionals, email devotionals, all sorts of stuff. And it's just packed into this portal um, that allows you to not only connect with other like-minded girls, within your, you know, both within your age group and also provide some resources. So girls sign up through my website. They go to the members tab and they say join and uh, they can click the join and do a seven-day free trial and just check it out. And then if they decide to stick around, um, a portion of every membership actually goes to Women in Crisis Fund. So it supports other women that have been victims of human sex trafficking. And so it's kind of a neat way to create unity within the sisterhood and then also unite us with sisters around the globe who can't really stand for themselves. Wow, that is so amazing. It's amazing how you bring them all together and you're able to help so many, like you just said, that can't stand for themselves. That is so amazing. Absolutely. I think it's just such a privilege to be able to do that. You know, the way um, that God's given us the resource to make this and to create it and, you know, not only help the girls using it, but give them an opportunity to also help, um, like you said, the girls that can't stand for themselves. So, yeah, it's a really, really neat and beautiful thing that God creating and now we're in the process of working on an app um hopefully to get that up because right now it's on a website but we want to have an app page for it as well just to make it simpler and easier to access and really really the most powerful and valuable tool we can create 
That's so exciting. That's so, so cool. Yeah, well, I'm excited, so <laughs> I'm sure you're excited. <laughs> so what is one way that you're able to keep your faith super strong and you're able to help lead others to keep their faith really strong? Um, I would say breaks. I, you know, intentionally try to tune my ear into, you know, sometimes my faith ebbs and flows. That's kind of how it is. You know, I'm not going to say that it's 24-7 turbo faith. You know, that's just not how it is. Life is, you know, faith has desert. And there's times where I'm just kind of like dry. Um, and one, not freaking out about that, because I think sometimes we think, ah, I don't feel close to God. I don't know what's wrong with me. And we almost let that scare us. And that's kind of when the enemy can make it kind of get a foothold, you know? Yeah. So just kind of recognizing that and understanding that is normal, but that doesn't mean we have to live there. So that's one thing. Um, strong fellowship is another thing, too. Really kind of, you don't have to have tons of fellowship. You don't have to have 15 people in your universe and your, or in your corner of the universe. But I do have a strong, you know, spiritual mentor who also works right alongside me with everything I do. I run every idea by her. She reviews all my writing, you know, that kind of thing. And I have my husband to hold me accountable. And I have a really close relationship with my mom and a really close relationship with a couple sisters in Christ that are, you know, peers of mine. So having a few people in my corner really does help that um, and help cultivate that. And then I also be intentional about taking breaks. I'm going to be taking four months from May through August off where I'm not going to be traveling much. Um, I'm going to focus solely on writing and also on getting settled with my husband a little more and just kind of doing real life and not obsessing over the, the blog or traveling all the time to speak and just letting my, my soul rest. And I think that is really necessary. Even when all attention feels like it's on you, you almost have to detach from that. So just knowing when to do that and being intentional about doing it has really made a difference and it's continuing to make a difference the more that I do it. That's so incredible. And that's so great that you know like that you're able to have that fellowship to push you closer to God. And I love how you pointed out that um faith isn't like a 24/7 like turbo thing cuz one question that I get a lot is people message me and saying like, "Oh, I I'm losing my faith or whatever. And I always say that faith is not a feeling. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you said. You know, faith isn't just going to be 24-7. It's like a walk with God constantly. Right. And there's times where you you slow down or you grow weary. And instead of letting that scare you, you know, it's almost like, but that's also part of the process. And instead of letting that be defining the process and just think, oh, I'm losing my faith. I might as well give up. It's, I'm losing my faith, let me crawl if I can't walk. <laughs> and that's kind of, yes. So that I can keep progressing forward. So it's just almost like a mindset change that's really necessary. And so I totally understand. Yeah, I love that so much. So what is your favorite Bible verse? Oh, my goodness. Um, I really have a lot of Bible verses that I cling to at different seasons of life. Um, but one of the ones that is my favorite is Second Corinthians 12, 9, and 10, where it says, my power is made perfect in your weakness because I think sometimes we're so busy trying to create our own wholeness, trying to create our own purpose, trying to, um, even though we're relying on God, yeah, yeah, that's in the back of our mind. You know how we all do that. We're so busy building this life that sometimes we forget what God can build out of brokenness and what he can do out of brokenness and within that. And so we almost like, we mask it or we run from it or we almost glorify the mess too much. It's either one extreme or the other. It's I totally want to ignore the mess and just pull myself together or it's I'm just such a mess. God loves my mess. And it's like, no, 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 God doesn't love your mess. And he also doesn't just love it. He loves you, you know. And so allowing that to be kind of the driving force behind everything um, makes a difference. And, um, yeah, I just think I just think sometimes we lose sight of that. And so understanding, you know, Second Corinthians 12, 9, and 10 reminds us like it's, really not 
about how good you can be or also how poor or not so great you can be. It's really who you are, and God's going to work through the cracks. You know, he's going to work through the broken. He's going to work through the weakness, and it's almost like, make me weak then. If I, if God's going to work most in my life, and He's his power is made most manifest when I'm at kind of my lowest or I'm not, you know, pulled together, then let me be that way. You know, and it kind of <laughs> reminds me to, like, not nah, be such a perfectionist, because I'm what I call myself a self-imposed perfectionist. <laughs> as much as that is, like, totally what I preach against, I preach against it because it is the worst thing in the world. Um, and so I really cling to that verse. It's one of my life verses, and it just really challenges me to remember that in seasons of performance and when you're under the pressure to be inspiring and all of that that comes with having somewhat of an online public presence. I love that so much. I love that verse. And you always say in all your um, your blogs and your social media, you always say your brokenness is welcome here. And through what you just said, it's so apparent that you preach that and allow that to really be true in life. Absolutely. And I have to welcome my own brokenness. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus does. But do I? Do we fully believe and receive it? You know? And so that's one thing I just, I want to create that invitation because that's really what the church ought to be. And I think sometimes there's this notion that that's not what the church is. And yeah. though I think there are definitely efforts to, you know, make that clearer and to really embrace that more as the church. Um, I think there's also a lot of people who have damaged views of what the church really welcomes. Mm-hmm. So kind of changing that and flipping it on its head, just like Jesus did. You know, he flipped it on its head, you know, <laughs> and the religious elite weren't the ones that, you know, made it, if that makes yeah. sense, and who he spent time with. So if we can continue to cultivate what the original church and the original Christianity, back to the biblical basis of basics of what Christianity is, I think we're going to reach so many more. Um, because that is the power of the gospel. Yes, amen. There's a quote. Um, I don't know who said it, but Je- I think it was Jeffrey. I can never say his last name, Birkins. And he said, a mm-hmm. church isn't a home for the perfect. It's a hospital for the weak. And I love right. that so much. And that just, I feel, fits perfectly with what you just said. Absolutely. So when you travel to speak at all the Soul Sister events, what is one piece of wisdom that you share with the girls or what is one advice that you always just use in your speeches and always give out? Um, One thing that I always remind them, well, there's a lot, there's several different things. One thing is that we're called to the new life, not the easy life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes we revert, we have this notion that, well, once I'm walking with God, you know, his life is supposed to be good or whatever. And I want to just break through that stereotype. Um, Because a lot of the girls that'll come to my events on college campuses aren't necessarily walking with God personally, or they grew up with it and they're kind of over it. You know, they think it's just a bunch of rules or whatever. So there's these kind of broken ideas of what it is to walk with God and, um, and so really, look, it isn't about choosing something easy, but it is about choosing something new and something whole and redemptive. And so that is one thing that I really put out there. And also reminds them, look, like, yeah, you're broken. You know, we talk a lot about the brokenness we might be walking through or some of the, the struggles we might face. And we really open up about that and dive deeper and kind of do, like, some soul scrubbing <laughs> through my <laughs> events. But I also then remind them, like, that doesn't have to beat you. Like, you don't have to live mm-hmm. there or be um, beaten by the brokenness. It's really because... It's so much bigger than that. And so getting them to get that full picture in their mind is really kind of a challenge, but also such a beautiful, simple message I think that the gospel gives us. It's really, yes, you're broken, but you're not living or stuck in that state for eternity, right? There's victory, there's redemption. Um, And so remembering that we're broken but not beaten is life-changing. Definitely, definitely. So in one of your blog posts that I read that at 13, you got a a purity ring and then you started writing letters to your future husband. How did that affect Mm -hmm. keeping your standards high and not just settling for any like Joe Smo guy that came into your life? 
Well, I'm not going to say I never settled for Joe Schmo. You know, everybody wants attention sometimes. <laughs> uh, but but it, what it did was it really allowed me to refocus when I fell into things like that or it challenged me to think, what am I really doing? What am I really seeking out of these kind of relationships? Um, because I had a tangible, simple tool to kind of focus on the bigger picture. Because when you're 15 or when you're 19 or whatever and you are – wrapped up in, you know, all that life has to offer, and then you start getting attention from boys, and you don't really know how to handle that, or you feel like you do, but you don't, you know, or whatever, um, it's really easy to feel, like, lost in it, and, and mm-hmm. distracted by it, and it's so easy to get pulled into that, and the attention that you're getting, I mean, who doesn't love attention, and affirmation, right, and so, there were times where I found myself getting sucked into that, absolutely, as many young girls do, but having the letters to write to my husband, um, and remembering to kind of do that practice, it really helped me think, you know, okay, I'm, I'm working towards a bigger goal here. I know right now this guy is really cute, you know, and he really seems into me. But being able to then go home and write this letter and say, hey, look, this happened today. And I had a really hard time saying no to this guy or I didn't say no to this guy. He, I let him kiss me or whatever. Now I feel bad or whatever it might be that, you know, we struggle through as we're going through those periods of life. Being able to put that and knowing I had this tangible tool that was working towards a long-term goal that served a long-term, bigger purpose, it kind of helped helped me remove myself from some of those temptations and remove myself from some of those things that otherwise you might have gotten stuck in or fallen into. Um, And so it was just simple, but it was powerful, and it allowed me to really look at the bigger picture, and I think that's sometimes what can be the hardest in the midst of, you know, adolescent years and years of the young adult. You, You almost get so fixated on the now that you forget the later. Wow, that is so amazing, and it's so great that you had that perspective to, like, know to actually have to write those letters and to allow yourself to, like, say no and stand up to the boys and, like, respect yourself enough. Right, right, and it takes, it takes you know, refining. No, I don't think anyone says no perfectly all the time. I think those times where we fall short, but how do we get up from that, and how do we continue pressing on towards the goal, regardless of whether, you know, you feel like you maybe gone too far or messed up this or that it's like it's so much bigger than just did you make a mistake it's really where's your heart and what intention are you working towards Mm -hmm. um and so you know I don't think it's too late for anybody and I don't think anybody's too far gone with that kind of thing even though it can sometimes feel like that yeah definitely not but you recently got married so what is married life like and what has gone God showed you through this season of your life and through now being married everything it totally rocks your world you realize how selfish you really are um it's been good because I think it's really refined um not only me as a person but also my writing and my work and everything that I'm doing and how I divide up my time um because now there's another person that I'm one with and so you know fairly giving him my attention but also um putting my heart into my work and learning how to balance that but also make both a priority as well as keeping Christ at the center of everything. Um, It's one of those things that you sometimes just throw your hands up and you're like, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, It's just being okay with that, you know, because you do learn. And we've been married about eight months now. And so um, definitely learned a lot. We've moved several times throughout those first few months. um, But it's been good for us because we've spent a lot of time together and gone through some big changes um, as a, you know, early in our marriage that we might not have otherwise, you know, we've really had to um, have some some edges sharpened, you know, and also filed down and just kinks that you get worked out or like throughout marriage. And we've had to work through really early in marriage just because of all the changes and uncertainties that have kind of loomed within, within our relationship. But it's been so good because we've 
come out from that stronger, and I think we will continue to come out from that stronger. Um, but I've definitely learned how selfish I can be, and I've definitely learned um, all that they say about the first year of marriage being hard is so true. Um, it's not a fairy tale all the time. <laughs> Fantastic, but it's definitely not a fairy tale all the time. Um, and so just learning how to prioritize marriage, but also, you know, making sure that's the first ministry that I attend to while still being faithful to the ministry God's asked me to, to write into and to, and to develop. Um, it's continuing. I'm continuing to figure that out. So when I have the answer and I tell you what I learned, I'll let you know. Because <laughs> I don't know yet. But, um, but marriage has been great. It really has overall. It's great to have companion, great to have someone to really account hold you accountable and to look through whatever I put out there publicly and challenge me to consider if I'm doing it from a place of love, from a place of purity, from a place of honesty, or if I'm doing it from a place of selfishness, you know? So mm-hmm. it's really good to have that. That's so encouraging because I know that I'm single and I know tons of girls are still single that will be listening to this podcast. And it's encouraging to hear you talk about now being married from going from that girl that was writing the letters to now being able to be married and talk about what God's shown you through this season of life. Definitely. Absolutely. So how did you know that Matt was the one that you wanted to marry? Um, I really had a piece about him. It wasn't the first night that I met him that I knew. I knew something was different, but I was still kind of like, eh, I don't know if he's my type, you know. He was different from anyone I had ever dated before. Um, but really within a week or so of knowing him, I just kind of realized, like, okay, there's something very solid here. And it was never, there was never a question. There was never games played. We never wondered if someone was going to text the other back. We would, It was just very... It was very mature and peaceful from the beginning. We'd call the other, we'd make a plan, and we'd do it, and we'd write each other letters. It was just different. Um, and we, there was just so much peace. You know, I didn't really have a ton of butterflies or didn't get really giddy. I just kind of fell for his heart, and I learned to love his heart and his character before I ever got really caught up in the fact that he was an NCAA football player or any of that. It just, it was neat to see how my heart just really connected with his and that peace that came of, okay, you know, this is the thing. This is going to happen. Um, that's kind of how I knew. I never really even thought twice about it. So, um, yeah, it's interesting because sometimes I think we feel like, oh, I have to have sparks, you know, flying, and it needs to be written across the sky and be so <laughs> clear. And it's almost like sometimes you just have to have this deep, quiet peace about something, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how it was for me. Wow, that's so encouraging. That's amazing uh, to hear that and to know that, like, God just, like, put that peace on your heart to let you know that. It was right. Absolutely. If you could give one piece of advice to the listeners today, what advice would that be? Um, I would just say to be bold and to continue pressing on because I know sometimes that life makes it confusing, college makes it confusing, high school makes it confusing, careers make it confusing. Um, There's so many messages that we get bombarded with. There's so many um, different opinions that we get bombarded with. and I think we so often fear rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, we fear what other people are going to think of us and how we're going to come off. We have to remember that rejection cannot steal our redemption. Um, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think that for some reason, or we think that rejection defines us more than redemption does. But I think redemption kind of is the trump card. So if we're secure in that, you know, we can go forward and understand that even when things don't go our way, even when we you know, are afraid that our ebook is going to look down or whatever we put out into the world isn't going to be accepted or liked or received well. Mm-hmm. That fear really just keeps us hidden and tucked away. But really, it's, you know, all those little things and those imperfections along the way can really define, they, they don't have to define us, they can refine us. And I think sometimes we want them, we let them define us and we let them identify us and we just live in that fear. 
when in reality it's like those, those are just things to refine you. They, they chip away at the at the loose pieces, and it'll all become this beautiful structure, you know, at the end of this whole this whole story. And so keep going, um, and understand that rejection can't steal your redemption. That that failure and fear can't necessarily define you. They can only refine you if you allow them to do so. So. Um, I think that makes sense. I'm rambling yeah, a bit, <laughs> that's kind of what I would give because I think sometimes we really let, um, however much experience we have, hold us back. We think we don't have enough experience or enough life experience or enough wisdom or whatever. But I really think God gave us a childlike faith for a reason, and I think we're supposed to preserve that mm-hmm. and um, and live it and shine it. Definitely. That is so encouraging. And I can't even, that will speak to so many different people. This, the next question ties in perfectly with this one because it asks, well, it says, you have such a beautiful way with words and you talk about faith so boldly. So what do you say to anyone who just wants to be bold in the way that they live, in the way that they live for Jesus? Yeah, I mean, I really think kind of right back to what I said about, I think we get our fear of being bold is because we're afraid of being rejected mm-hmm. or we're afraid of being looked at in a negative light but it's kind of like you know he tells us in scripture that they don't reject you it's that they really reject him and so understanding that even that rejection like it can't take away who you actually are and they're not even really rejecting you it's like it allows you to look at it from a different perspective um and that can really sting in the moment that can be really scary um but why would we want to live in fear? You know, fear looks a lot like the word free. And so I think the enemy sometimes twists it and he says, well, if people like you, then you're really free. But what you're really doing is just creating a sheltered life. Um, people yeah. aren't always going to like you for loving Jesus. You know, yeah. people, you're really free when fear no longer rules you. And so it's really challenge. you know, the challenge is identify, am I living under the rule of fear, you know, at the AR, or am I living under the rule of, of God's freedom, right? Because of the spirit of the Lord mm-hmm. is there is freedom. And so it's, mess up, like, be rejected, say the wrong thing, let Bible verse, that's fine, you know, I think we believe this lie that we should know everything before we can be bold, and, you know, the truth is, if, if the Spirit's involved in it, and we have the right heart with it, we can't mess it up, because even what can feel like a failure, God will use for a victory, mm-hmm. um, right back to that Second Corinthians 12, you know, it's like, yeah. man, it's so true, so those things that we feel like, man, I didn't say that right, or, oh, I offended somebody, or whatever we think, Ultimately, he's going to use that to either plant a seed or to refine us for the next one. We can't mess up building his kingdom if we are working towards building the kingdom. Definitely. Oh, I love how you said that. And I love you just said a few words ago how the enemy can take the word fear and freedom and make us get confused with that. That was just so beautifully said. And it spoke so much to my heart. Wow. Totally. Totally. So where can anyone who's listening today find you online and how can they start following and get in touch with you? So we've, my main blog website is thefullscripts.com. Um, and then we've got social media and everything. I am on Facebook. The Facebook page is just my name. Uh, Jordan Lee is how I, my pen name, that's what I go by. Um, if you, if you search facebook.com slash soulscripts, it'll take you right to that page. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as soulscripts and also on Instagram as Jordan Lee Juliet. kind of got my personal and my blog pages. So you can follow along there. You can get involved in the sisterhood by going to the soulscripts.com and clicking join. You can read the blog by going to the blog page and um, also check out some of the devotionals and the evotionals. Um, you can search my name on Amazon and some of those books should come up and they're also linked on the website. So a lot of different resources, really easy to access, shouldn't have too much trouble. And then there's also contact pages on the website as well. 
Thank you so much. Yes, everybody should go check them out because she is so amazing. Um, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been such a blast. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I hope I didn't bore you. No, <laughs> it was so that. great talking to you. <laughs> I feel so honored to be able to have talked to Jordan today and I was so inspired by our conversation and I know that you will be just as inspired. If you don't already follow Jordan on social media, make sure to go follow her and read her blog post because every time I read one or I see something on Instagram from her, it always just adds so much truth and brightness into my day. Make sure to come back next week for the Inspiring Honey Show episode talking about how faith is just like a seed. Remember to stay up to date all things Inspiring Honey on inspiringhoney.com, Inspiring Honey on Instagram, Inspiring Honey on Twitter, and Inspiring Honey on Facebook. Remember that every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, there are new blogs on inspiringhoney.com. And every single Tuesday, there's a new episode of the Inspiring Honey Show. And every Thursday, a new episode of The Gab Show comes out on iTunes and theinspiringhoney.com. If you want to stay up to date by reading all of the blog posts and all the and listening to all the podcasts that come up, make sure to sign up for the Inspiring Hunting newsletter on inspiringhunting.com. I'm looking forward to staying connected with all of you every single day this week. So make sure to follow on those platforms and to reach out with any questions or critiques that you may have. I hope that you have just an absolutely blessed day and I look forward to talking to you in my next post.